0: third episode of the Pig Podcast. The month is June and it is a very very special month for us. We have coming up a very exciting interview from the one and only Trace Shepherd, who was with us um, a little over a week ago. Um, we have our pod crew with us today. Say hi guys. Hello. They haven't got much of a job today as we have two fantastic interviews. Um, one from Caitlin Gracie. Who spoke was? Of freedom. Yep, awesome. She was at Freedom in May. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what she talked about? Her life as a Christian, becoming a Christian. Indeed, and teenage insecurities as well. I think. Yes. Um, and who else do we have an interview with? And we also had an interview with Trey Shepard. Trey Shepard and well, Dad. Why was Trey here? He was to help raise awareness of the HIV-Engaged charity. Yep, that's right. So then, without further ado, let's go straight to our first interview. Um, now, this was with Caitlin Gracie, and this was taken um, over a month ago now, and before she actually spoke for us at freedom. So, let's hear from Caitlin. Let's hear from Caitlin. <laughs> Hi Caitlin, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Cool, okay. So, um... We sort of met in Buckingham, um, in your church, and um, I can't remember exactly what we were doing that night. So what was what was the service that you were putting on that night?
1: I can't remember what the service was about either, which is awful. <laughs> but I do remember that your band were playing, yeah. and I was hosting, I believe. You were. Yeah, and yeah. I know that Brian was speaking, and I remember. It was just, oh, it was about being Spirit-filled, and it was about the Holy Spirit. I think. Cool. Okay. And then you just asked me to speak in your church. <laughs> That night I thought that you had a really good gift
0: for sort of speaking, so I thought I'd take the chance to ask you to come and speak. So, um, yeah, but um, that's sort of um, going to happen, but um, we'll take the time now just to sort of like get a bit of background on yourself. So, um, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, where are you sort of from? How long have you been a Christian? Oh,
1: uh, sort of okay. <laughs> well, I come from Buckingham, local, born and bred. <laughs> Most of my family are from South Africa though, it's just okay. me that's from here, and I just go to school locally in the local grammar school, and play sport, and do a lot in church. You do an awful lot of sport, don't you? Yeah, no, I like it. it's good, I like the social aspect of it, it's, you know, yeah. it's nice to meet everyone, you don't want to see on the sport picture, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I enjoy my sport, it's good, I like the seamlessly of being active and stuff. Awesome, okay, yeah.
0: cool.
1: And I became a Christian about a year ago at Spring Harvest, which I'm sure so many people have become Christian at.
0: Was there any particular moment, or was it just the the time you spent there?
1: No, I remember specifically, it was the first night, me and my friend Alice, because we were both non-Christians, we were just like awe and we just thought it was amazing and then on the second night or the third night I can't remember I think it was the second night me and a girl Lisa who's kind of Christian but I know she struggled with her faith Mm -hmm. and things and we both just broke down into tears and it was it was kind of then that I felt the Holy Spirit in me and after that yeah I've just lived my life for God and been with God
0: brilliant so since then um you've been sort of I guess quite involved in the youth of your church Um, What sort of things have you done?
1: Yeah, well, I love the youth side of our church because, you know, it's fun and we have quite a vibrant youth and, yeah, I love it there. So I just try and get as involved as possible and keep myself busy. We've been doing Stop the Traffic, yeah. we've been going around to different churches and schools and two of the girls went down to Parliament and they were invited by John Barker because really? she's just wow. constantly hammered him with letters and doing <laughs> complaints about Stop the Traffic. So he eventually caved in and he came to a concert that we had okay.
0: and that was
1: really cool, that was quite big and we had a bake sale as well. So yeah, we've cool. been quite involved in that and we've been doing... Um, Youth Alpha extra. Yeah, I couldn't go to Youth Alpha because of hockey, which another kind of church. But <laughs> it it things so, about <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah, so I've been helping with the Youth Alpha extra, and we've just recently been doing a kind of Bible study and confirmation course. Awesome.
0: So, um, how did you actually sort of first get involved with that church? Because obviously, before you weren't actually a Christian, so yeah. Which point did you sort of come in then? How did you decide on the specific church? Well,
1: because I always went to the parish church, which is just up the road from the Methodist church, and it is quite split. And so a lot of the youth that transfer over to the Methodist, and when I was at Spring Harvest, all the girls that I was with, like, really encouraged me to come back to Well Street with them. Okay. And I went back to Well Street, and I just loved it there. And I just, you knew that was where God wanted me to be for now, awesome. at least. Okay. Years.
0: Cool. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so, okay, so um, you've done one talk before, is that right? And that was associated with Stop the Traffic? Yeah, yeah. I've,
1: I've done presentations and things before, That like, an actual talk with my testimony and my views on everything, I haven't done once before yeah. <laughs> so it can be a cool <laughs>
0: So you're feeling a bit nervous? really nervous. <laughs> it only
1: just hit me today that I actually have to do it before it's always just been oh, it's in a month, it's fine. <laughs> and yeah, I just realised I need to sort this out and <laughs> say something.
0: Oh, um, okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about um, your sort of life before you were a Christian, um, because you've got quite a, a good testimony that you're going to sort of offer to us on Sunday. So um, talk <laughs> us a little bit through that.
1: Um, well, I kind of just grew up with it forced on me and it wasn't forced in a sense where, you know, you had to go to church but I just kinda of felt obliged to. Yeah. So just kind of went with my mum just to keep her happy and it never really as occurred all, as to we me. All do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It never really occurred to me that it was a real face or a real thing or, you know, something that I would eventually feel one day. Okay. And then I kind of I don't know I grew up and my parents got divorced and that was quite hard for me because I was quite daddy's girl oh, yeah, yeah. and me and my sister depend on my brother quite a lot and we looked over to him quite a lot and so it your so was it
0: your, sorry, was it your yeah. dad that sort of got then taken away from yeah, you yeah
1: we mean? lived with my mum okay, right. and my dad went away and oh yeah my dad had quite severe depression right. so that kind of linked my dad completely closed down for quite a long time and yeah. you know it was that was really hard because. Mm. You know, every little girl was their dad, and we didn't really have him. So we always looked up to my brother, who then went away to boarding school. And that was really hard as well, because we used to love him, because he used to play with us. And he used to play sport with me all the time. It's probably a reason that I play sports so much. Okay. He was just
0: <laughs> Discovering all the deep little Yeah, deep exactly. I'm sorry, it, yeah. All, <laughs> it was
1: a reason. And then, I don't know, as I got older, I just kind of, you know, grew up really insecure.
0: Yeah.
1: And always wanting to be like popular and one of those girls and I was like that for a bit and you know I thought everything was great because I'm popular what more could I want and you know then when I became Christian obviously you realised it's nothing at all to yeah and then when I was about 12 I suppose we moved over to stay and my mum was working a lot because she works in a boarding school okay. so she has to work from kind like, of like eight in the day to 11 at night. So she comes in and out like she's not just like slow chain or anything. But <laughs> yeah, we don't see her a lot. And then my sister got Emmy really badly and she'd have awful mood things. Okay. She'll kill me for saying it but she did. And she'll she try was, and cut it out yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and she was just really tired so we didn't see her a lot and okay. You know, it was kind of hard because I felt kind of alone at home. Mm-hmm. It was just me. But at school it was fine because I had loads of friends. But at home it was very much just me.
0: So would this be where you sort of got more attached to the circle of friends that you had? Yes, yeah,
1: definitely. And that's when I got more attached to my insecurities. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I was confident, but behind that confidence was so much insecurity. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just wasn't happy with myself or mm-hmm. what I was doing. And, yeah, God never really had occurred to me. I'd always been quite far from him. I always kind of, I'd never had the courage to admit that there wasn't a God. I'd Mm. never had, you know, been that far away. So I always knew there was a God, but I wasn't interested. I was quite impassive to it. Okay. I wasn't going to follow it. And then when I went to Spring Harvest last year, that was when I really felt, and I just felt the Holy Spirit come into me, and everything just changed from there. So was it
0: like an immediate sort of change then?
1: Definitely, and I was so lucky because I went to Spring Harvest with really high expectations, yeah. and all of them were met, and mm. so much more. And then when I came back, it was I was expecting for it to be really difficult, mm. and everyone had said, you know, don't go back to life and expect it all to be different, and you're gonna have to work. And I went back, and I was so lucky because yeah. it was just everything for me was different. Because I just saw everything in a different way. And, you know, a lot of apologies had to uh, be made to a lot of people who I'd done a lot of bitchy things to. Right. And, you know, after a while, it just, my whole life changed, really, and getting involved in the church. And I, we all kind of made friendships again that we hadn't had before. It was like a real friendship. It wasn't just a bitch about people behind people's backs and things. And, yeah, I just, I feel like God's been with me since then, and he's threatened in so many ways since then. And it's just been the beginning of my life, really. Awesome.
0: So is there any... I mean, you're talking about the sort of... You know, you had a few a, a sort of circle of friends before that that moment. And, I mean, that was... That would have been quite sort of difficult for you to, to go back to, I guess.
1: Yeah, in a way. In a way, it was fine, really, because it was summer and everyone was happy and just having fun. Yeah. So it it was fine. And then, kind of, in fact, just before Christmas, I'll it, say, it got quite hard because my sister... I was kind of relapsing a bit with her and me, so she was finding it quite hard. And My brother's married now, so he's off with his wife. At and 22? Yeah.
0: Wow. He's having a baby
1: <laughs> in November. <so laughs> I've got a
0: bit to go. <laughs> yeah. Don't do so it. And, yeah,
1: so... So... Yeah, I have completely <laughs> just thinking about the baby. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, right, yeah, of course. And so everything was fine. And then when it got to that point, I was really tired because I mm. was, like, playing, like, 12 to 15 hours of sport a week and trying to do everything else. And at the same time, I wasn't getting any sleep and my hormones uh, would be all over the place. <laughs> and, yeah, so I was quite moody and quite tired. Mm. And then all the girls at school got quite bitchy and insecure. And it, just, it was just hard to carry on with the same kind of spirit and enthusiasm right, sure. that I had
0: before.
1: Okay. But I just thought, you know, I've never... I, the only thing that's going to get me through this that I haven't had before is God. So I just spoke to God about it and gave it all to him and yeah. I just asked him to work through it and tell yeah. me what to do and he did and it just came through and everything. So amazing now And it's, it's, yeah.
0: As we're sort of talking about um, on on Sunday the sort of theme is that whole take the world thing yeah. um, and you know sort of inside that is sort of quite closely linked to all these insecurities that go, go on within us. Yeah, definitely. Do you think now that um, you know, is it kind of a situation where you could quite easily step back into to the lines you had before and, and feeling all those insecurities um, or is there sort of this just overpowering message that's come through you?
1: Um, I don't know really because it is so easy to just think oh I'm not good enough I can do that yeah. or you know I'm not pretty enough or whatever and I think it's definitely I can slip back into that and yeah. it you know, sometimes I start thinking these things and I just think if God thought that was true then I wouldn't be here and he wouldn't have made me this way if it wasn't right and it wasn't good enough. So I just kinda have to remind myself and just you know, give it back to God and just say to him, you know, this is on my heart and I'm feeling insecure about this and you know, after I've just kinda opened my heart to God it it feels so much better again and awesome. I can always come back. Okay.
0: Cool. Um, so, think of yourself. What's your sort of um, plans for the next few years of your life? You got any aspirations and visions? Uh, <laughs> I don't know really. <laughs> Just school for a few more yeah. years.
1: Because I'm only doing my mocks now. So GCSEs next year. Do you. them. I'll probably do science and maths for A-level. Maybe. for I don't know. Because okay. I always thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist or right. do neurology. And then I was talking to a guy at Spring Harvest, and blessed him with some crutches and oh. was stuck in the house all by himself, so I went to see him. And he was saying, what do you want to do? And I said, psychiatry and neurology, and as I said, it really felt wrong and it no, felt right like it. God was the kind of placing something in my heart and saying, no, that's not mm. what you want to do. So I don't know. I'd love to go into church work or yeah. evangelism or something like that, but I just see what happens, really. On that side of things, God's have you got
0: happens. any sort of particular visions... Um, the sort of youth of your church or is it just sort of still being a part of it and following whatever Um, God wants? Just
1: that we can all go out and set up new youth because I think a lot of the youth in our church get into that age where they're going to be older and independent and yeah, just that they can go out and find a way and just carry on doing what they're doing here, there, in their new place and also just that we can all unite Mm -hmm. in churches around us because I know there's a bit of a divide and just that all the youth in church can unite because that's where it should be. You know? <laughs> sure,
0: okay. So, this um, is probably going to air sort of after Sunday. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having, uh, you know, by now done your talk, um, oh, do it, is there yeah. any sort of message that you'd like to leave us with at this point?
1: Just give it all back to God and just open yourself to the Holy Spirit, really. Just live with the Spirit in you.
0: To say. Awesome, well thank you so much for um, contributing to our podcast and uh, we hope to sort of welcome you back again. Hopefully, <laughs> thank you for having me. Okay. <laughs> oh, fantastic man, it was so cool to hear from Caitlin and um, she had so much to say and she really held nothing back in that interview. So. If you're listening now, Caitlin, thank you very much once again um for speaking um at Freedom and for um giving us an awesome interview there. Um so Chris right now is gonna tell us what we don't have coming up today. We have no audience challenge, no pod crew challenge, and no feature song. <coughs> this is like the saddest podcast month ever, yeah. Isn't it really? Yeah. Well, apart from Ooh. Oh, the interview with Trey Shepherd. <gasps> We've got an interview with Trey Shepherd? No. No? No. No, 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 we do really check. Wow, that's the yeah, first half. Yeah. Well we have the majority of the interview and next month we will also have the question and answer session. Brilliant. So that's a real incentive for our listeners to email Dan and maybe you've got some questions that you'd like to ask Trey Shepherd that we can also include in next month's podcast with the question and answer session.
2: Yes, please email me, you
0: evil people. <laughs> and, and that email is at woofden.org, that's P-Y-G at W-O-U-G-H-T-O-N dot org. Yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the first half of the Trey Shepherd interview. Um, we do then have the next half next month, um, so keep listening on, but here we go. Welcome to our podcast in the month of June, and we have a very special guest today, Trey Shepherd That's what I'm talking
2: about. Yeah, thank you for that very unexpected
0: welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Trey, um, you're from, um, obviously, the charity, Engage yeah, right. which is why we got you here today. Um, but I just want to first of all find out just generally about you. Where are you from? And just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm actually rather
2: boring, really. Um,
0: I'm from, uh,
2: I, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I grew up in um, South Georgia. And um, then in the Atlanta area of Georgia, which is in the southern part of the United States. Um, if any of you been to Disney World or something, anyone? anyone? People are like, Disney World, <laughs> absolutely, what kind of people do you think we are? Of course we've been to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, well, I live in the state that's just north of Florida, so um, slightly less sunny and a little bit more country. That doesn't sound very attractive, does it at all? Uh, does it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, so I moved here to the UK in 1993 and um, really only intended to stay for six months. And... Um, That was, um, yeah, 14 years ago. So. we're glad today? Well, that's very kind of you to say. (laughs) I think maybe I should work on my scheduling a little better. Six months, 14 years, there's a problem there. But um, my wife and I live now in Northern Ireland, and um, we just moved there last year up until until last summer. We lived in um, Harpenden, which is just down the road near Luton and St. Albans. And, um, yeah, so we live uh, by the sea now in a little town called Port Stewart up in Northern Ireland. And, um, yeah, that's where we kind of base the stuff we do. And I spent a lot of time on EasyJet, just coming back and forth between <laughs> Northern Ireland and Luton Airport, yeah. which is a magic experience, let me tell
0: uh, you. Yes, um, and uh, when you were getting out of your you shared a little bit with me about what you were up to last night, um, so, and that obviously uh, tied into uh, what you've been doing recently with the band and stuff, so um, yeah, what's been going on?
2: Yeah, um, is, it, what, is it Sunday today? Sunday, yeah, sorry. Um <laughs> We, we just finished recording our new record. Um, we finished about 6 a.m. on Friday morning. And we were scheduled to be, we had a rehearsal at 11, and we were scheduled to be in London at 2 in the afternoon on Friday for an interview, which fortunately got canceled. So we, uh, we sort of went ahead with our rehearsal, and then we played last night in, um, goodness gracious, some town. It was uh, mm-hmm. Stoke, Stoke, mm-hmm. yeah, in Stoke at the um, Britannia Park. Stadium. Well, actually, we didn't play in the stadium. We played in the car park of the stadium, which was a very strange experience, really. Um, I mean, it was like a big arena. They had a big thing and everything. But we were playing with some good friends of ours with um, Delirious and Kathy Burton and Wife Friday and some other bands. So it was a good night. Really good time. It's kind of funny because for
0: us to say that is kind of like a huge deal.
2: But yeah, you just know, like, yeah, it's just good for Delirious. <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. I mean, I, I, have, um, I have immense respect for Delirious as a band. I mean, I have to say they've had a profound impact on us as a band in terms of, you know, the first time I heard their music, I, I'd never really heard anything like that, you know. Um, certainly that was Christian. You know? And it's funny because the other night I was watching, a, you, know, you guys ever watch Jules Holland on television, you know, later with Jules Holland? You know? And I was watching a few bands the other night and I kept thinking, man, none of these guys are as good as Delirious, you know. It's, it's ridiculous I haven't been on Jules Holland yet, so. That's going to be my next campaign, Get Delirious on Jules Holland.
0: So, <laughs> as soon
2: as we finish uh, HIV and AIDS. You know? okay. I'm not quite sure
0: we'll finish that soon, yeah, That's the hope,
2: man. I mean, I guess the whole point of com is that we, you know, I have to say, I, I mean, I want to go ahead and just throw it down now, but in our hearts as a band, our dream is that, you know, in our lifetimes and our generation, we'd see an end to the HIV and AIDS crisis. Um, otherwise, we, you know, I think far too often we, followers of Jesus, it's easy for us to accept things that are wrong in the world and just go, well, that's just the way it is. But what we see in the heart of the kingdom of God coming through the scriptures is that we actually have a chance to partner with God and see the world change, to see hope come into the most hopeless of situations. And that's really at the heart of everything we do as a band.
0: Uh, I guess I, I'm going to skip a little a few questions and come back to them a bit later, because um, that kind of leads me on to um, talking about charity a little bit. And, um, I'm kind of really interested... Um, because you've got the Ice Ember right there, mm-hmm. and, and the band obviously 100 Hours, and all of a sudden there's this you know, online charity, and it's like, how did it all come about? Was it like just yourself, or was it a sort of vision between the whole band?
2: Well, I mean, for those of you who are familiar with the 100 Hours, um, 100 Hours has never been about being in a rock and roll band. Um, we, you know, I, I mean, I have a degree in literature. I was a Bible teacher. I, I kind of accidentally fell into being in a rock and roll band. And um, the band, for me, has always been a vehicle for how we see change in the lives of people. Um, so the band really grew out of a thing called The Factory, a discipleship community of people just trying to follow Jesus together in the midst of culture and going, how do we actually see God's hope come into broken places? And as we, as we really studied the Bible, as we really just sought to go, how do you follow Jesus in, in, the, in the here and now, Not, you know, not just talk about it, but how do you actually really follow Jesus? As we kind of went through that, the more... That we spent time in the in the word of god the more that we realized that there really isn't a brand of following jesus that doesn't include us serving the poor and serving the needy and serving the most people who are living in extreme poverty and extreme need and um, for us i think the hiv and aids crisis just seemed to be the most pressing crisis facing the world as well as something that we all have a chance to do something about so about 2001 we were on tour in south africa 2001 or 2002 and or actually maybe it was 2001 and 2002 i can't quite remember but anyway um, and it was during that time that my manager, who was South African at the time, well, she's still South African, but my manager at the time was South African. Still so confusing, isn't it? I haven't slept a lot in the past month. Maybe you're getting that now. I'm really sorry. I just had a cup of tea. I'll be feeling better any minute. Now. But um, my manager had been talking to me for, uh, you know, for months about the HIV and AIDS crisis. Um, having grown up in Pretoria, she'd seen it firsthand. And, And I think that as a band, we we had a chance on that tour to spend a day in in a home for abandoned and uh, HIV-positive children, children who were either orphaned because their parents had died to AIDS-related illnesses or, alternately, who'd been abandoned um, uh, for uh, reasons related to HIV. And um, just to be really honest with you, I mean, you know, after a day working there, it it, it seemed very, it was hard for me to imagine coming back and playing in a rock and roll band. I just couldn't see how anything in the world could be as important as trying to serve those children, and not just the children, but their parents, and not just their parents, but the communities that were being ravaged by this disease, and all that goes along with it, the extreme poverty, the unbelievable need. And um, wonderfully, there's a wonderful woman who worked at the home, and, uh, and I think that I'd kinda, I was pretty emotional. As you can imagine, I kind of was talking to her about you know, how I was trying to find it you know, why I would ever want to go back and play in a rock and roll band again. And she said, "Uh, Trey, let me tell you something. Um, You know, you're not really that much help here. And I was like, are you trying to break my heart or what? (laughs) But she said, you know, know, it's great and the kids like you, but, you know, we're all scared you're going to drop one and you don't really know what to do with stuff. And bottom line, this isn't what you're called to do. You know, she said, you know, you spent last summer singing to 50,000 young people. They have they listen to the things that you're singing about, you're talking about, you've got a chance to actually tell them the stories of these young people, of, of the people that are suffering with HIV and AIDS, of the people who are facing this crisis. And for me, man, it really was just like a light came on. And my wife and I, Tori, who sings to me in the band, we just decided then and there that, that, you know, what we wanted to do was to do something about the HIV and AIDS crisis. And, of course, the rest of the band was 100% into it. So we came back, and to be really honest, we just immediately began to talk about it. Um, we began to talk about it at gigs. We, um, we, we raised a little bit of money here and there for some projects to do with that actual home that we'd worked with. And out of the blue, one day I got a call from a friend who uh, I'd known from several years ago, and he said, uh, look, I want to get together and talk to you about some of the stuff I've been working on. I've got a little proposal for you. We sat down, and it was actually, we went to, it, you know, like we had lunch at some pub in Harpenden, you know, and we're sitting there in the pub, it's really crowded, and he says, you know, what do you know about HIV and AIDS? And um, I just started crying in the pub, you know, Um, which is slightly embarrassing. Um, um, And uh, because I was just so, I don't know, I was just so broken over all the need and just what could we actually do about it. And he said, well, this is so bizarre, man, because I I actually work with something called the Atemba AIDS Foundation, and we've been really praying for a band that we could connect with. We'd like to do a tour maybe to try to help raise awareness about HIV and AIDS with young people. and they weren't even aware that we'd start anything as a band yet. So it was a wonderful sort of meet-up and a chance for us to actually begin to partner something together. And of course, we went back to them and said, look, we're not interested in doing a tour. You know, well, this is something that we believe we want to do with our whole lives. And that's how we founded EngageHIV Um AIDS.com. Really, so we launched it in 2004. Um, and since that time, yeah, thousands of young people have joined us in, uh, you know, the fight against HIV and AIDS. That's fantastic. It's
0: just amazing to hear how sort of, like, things just happen over the conversation Yeah. Because you, you see it and you just think, you know, it's a huge deal. Um, but, you know, it's just getting to know people and being, being touched by what's sort going on in you
2: right there. So I think, it's, I think the, the difficult thing is that it's easy. You know, I, I look at most of you guys, and you're all about, what, 15, 14, 18, 21, 13? I don't know, I'm guessing randomly. <laughs> I see a few of the older people in the crowd going, yes, I'm 25. <laughs> no, 29. Don't say anymore. Stop talking. Stop talking. Um... You know, I think the thing is is that if I can just say this up front is that the the bottom line is is that you know The feeling of helplessness and the feeling that you can't do anything about the things that are broken in the world that feeling doesn't come from God Every time that you decide you want to do something for the most broken and needy and people who are living without hope God is always there. He's always up for that. Does that make sense? And I think that for us, it was just the little thing in our heart that rose and said, we can do something. We don't have much, but here's what we have. And then God rushed into that and said, oh, I've got a plan. Let's do something together. And that's how Engage has been born. Um, You know I mean? I think that sometimes it's funny that people think Engage is such a big thing because I kind of run Engage with my mobile phone and my laptop. (laughs) This is quite pathetic, really. But that's the wonderful thing is we live in a time where we're able to actually band together and see ridiculous amounts of change. Um just because there's so many of us and we can together see change.
0: Fantastic, okay. Um, you sort of touched a bit earlier on the fact that you never came into this to be a, a rock star. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research the other day, actually. Uh, and I reminded myself of the fact that you used to run um, an event called The Factory, is that right? That's uh, right, yeah. And that's where you guys actually came from. Uh, so, I mean, was it sort of a really, on the on the internet, there, it looks like a really easy process because you said you know you asked to leave worship, you called up a couple of people, and it just sort of happened, and then you were leading the conferences. Was it
2: as easy as that? Uh, yeah, I mean I think in fact maybe it was even easier. It was a very bizarre process. Um, we um, you, you know the my you know growing up in, in in the South in Georgia, my dad was a preacher and. And I got very, probably quite exhausted with the whole idea of church, as it were. Um, I just, uh, you know, I I didn't, you know, I I had these extraordinary, wonderful parents. And yet at the same time, I knew all the stories of things that were going on in the church. And I kind of felt like here was the social club we all went to on a Sunday. And um, pretty much everybody sort of lived the way everyone else in town did. Only everyone felt guilty about it. And we had to go to a lot more meetings and get up and dress up on a Sunday morning. And I just thought, what is the point, really? And I think, obviously, in the midst of all that, I, you know, I really encountered Jesus, and then I realized, oh, I see. But I, it didn't mean that it changed my mind on some of those things. I still felt like that I wanted to see the church become what I read about in the Bible. Um, I mean, I love reading the book of Acts, I, and the book of Acts doesn't really end. It just kind of stops, and we're you know, kind of in like Acts chapter 5 million or whatever now, you know, and hopefully we're still seeing that kind of hope and, and the love of God penetrating out of our churches and back into our streets. So the factory was just a group of young people trying to follow Jesus together in the middle of culture, and, and that really grew really quickly. It was really bizarre how um, God drew it together and the stuff that happened. Now, there's a lot of hard work in there, a lot of really hard times, but, you know, the way the band began in the midst of that was, you know, I was just leading worship with an acoustic guitar, and I mean, really, it started with like four people in a circle. That was really how it was. And um, then I was asked to lead worship for a conference for young people and threw uh, together a band. And that night, the guys who were speaking were from California. And they asked if we'd come out and tour California. And we were kind of like, well, we only met like at Soundcheck like an hour ago. And I don't even really like that guy. You know, that wasn't that bad. But, um, you know, and we didn't have any of our own songs. So they were like, where can we get your record? And I was like, if you go in the bookstore and get that Matt Redmond and that Delirious record, you'll have these songs. Um, but they, the guys were really, you know, encouraging, and they really wanted us to come out of California. And at that point, we were called Chump. I mean, um, it was a joke. I mean, that was how much of a joke it was. My drummer just thought it was a funny name. And my bass player suggested my sister is a kickboxer. Imagine. Yeah, I know. But it just got so awkward. You know, we'd be introduced. And because it just kind of snowballed gig after gig, and then we, the gigs got bigger, and we'd be introduced. And people would like, here they are to lead us into the presence of the Lord. Chump. It just... <laughs> Everything in the world is wrong with that, you know. So, I mean, it really isn't, there hasn't been a lot of sort of calculated planning at all, you know. Um, we didn't even go out to sign a record deal. We just uh, made a little record that I can remember by biting my fingernails just hoping that we'd sell yeah. the ones we printed. And, you know, we were stunned that it sold so many. And then the next one as well, and kind of from there, you know. And <laughs> there, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't really know what the CD is supposed to cost because I don't really do this very much. So, um, what's that, two pounds per Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say 10 pounds a piece. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? That sounds like a good deal? Okay. And two for 20. <laughs> 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 what's going to happen is my manager is going to find it. she's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you did what? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool.
0: Fantastic. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, so, I mean... I guess, again, they touched a little bit on um, your sort of journey into faith. Um, so was there a point at which you became a Christian, or was it a thing
2: for you? That's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the best interviewer ever, uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, wow, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I went to the front of the service, and, uh, and definitely something happened in my heart. And I knew I wanted to be a part of following Jesus. And uh, you know, I was baptized and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get into the big theological thing. And, and it's not because I haven't read the theology on it, because I've read enough theology to probably bore you all to death. But I do think that sometimes I think there's two schools of thought. One is that there's this moment when you click into becoming a Christian. And there's another school of thought that's like that we are... That over sometimes over a process of time we finally one day become a follower of Jesus and it's pretty hard to put a moment on it And I think that maybe it's both and maybe that for some people it is a moment for some people They, they kind of go yeah over the past year. I think I became a Christian I Certainly know some of my friends who did not grow up Christian who became Christians in their 20s who? Basically couldn't put a moment on it, but they are incredible followers of Jesus and it was like they were like in 1999 over that year, somewhere, I fell into Christianity, <laughs> which is an interesting way to say it, but um, I, you know, when I was 21 years old, um, I just started my first company, just finished university, you know, a lot of stuff was going on, and um, during that time, I, uh, I had a real encounter with God, and, um, and I would say for me, that was the time that, whether or not I became a Christian at that moment, that was certainly when I started following Jesus every day, and I still try to get up every day and follow him, and most days, it it works. Some days not so good.
0: Fantastic! Well, that was just so good. You know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, every time I hear that interview, I just think, Wow, we had Trey Shepherd at our church, mm-hmm. and uh, I sat down with my family the other night, and we actually listened to the whole thing. First time we had done a family thing for ages. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, but you know, it was amazing, he had so many powerful things to say, and he's a genuine guy with a genuine mission. Um, and we will hear more from that interview um, next month, so um, please listen in again. Um, but for now, just remember, if you want to get involved with um, the charity, it's www.engagehivaids.com. There's so many ways you can get involved. Or they have a MySpace site, which is www.myspace.com slash aids. Fantastic okay so we hope that you all really feel inspired to get involved Um, but for now we're all going to say goodbye and we shall see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye!